0: Stand before the Lord, I want to encourage you to just close your eyes and just think about what he's been singing, I Come Running to You. He's talking about our Heavenly Father. You might just imagine a child, one of your kids when they were little, you drive up and the little girl says, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. Dad opens the door and you get out of the car and that little girl just comes running up to you and jumps in your arms. Well, guess what? God wants a relationship like that with us as his children. But we've got to turn our heart to God. And Lord, today as we just slip our hands to heaven, we say we want to turn our hearts to you. We don't want to just be religious. We don't want to just worship out of a tradition. But we want our hearts to be captured by the living God. So we welcome you today. We welcome you. Sing that softly, Pastor Nick. I come running to you. I come running with my troubles. I come running with my sins, needing forgiveness. Running, because I want to be with you. Relationship. Thank God. Praise the Lord. Well, isn't it good? Come on, to know the living God, to know that He cares for you. Come on, give Him a big hand today. God's awesome. Well, give your neighbor a high-five, tell him you're looking good this morning. If your spouse is with you, tell him, am glad I married you. You may be seated. Hey, turn your Bibles this morning, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I may need a little extra couple minutes at the end of the service. Got something real special planned. I think you'll understand that as we get going this morning. But I want to have a little longer introduction this morning in my message. I want you to kind of hang on before you kind of figure out where I'm going because I want to paint a broader portrait about what the Bible teaches us and some things that are going on in our world today. How many know that we are in what's traditionally called the Passion Week of Christ? Today is what's traditionally called Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, almost 2,000-some years ago, Jesus came into Jerusalem and they hailed him as a king. They cut down branches from palm trees and laid them on the, on the road. Uh, uh, they took their coats off and put them down, and they exalted Christ as King. But how many know everything was going to shift in just a few days? The hostility of the Jewish leaders, their ability to work the crowd. Then on Friday, they were crying, crucify Him, crucify Him. And you know the story. It's called Good Friday, which is coming up this Friday. My Rebecca says, Daddy, why don't we call it Sad Friday? <laughs> because it was a it was a bad day for Jesus. It was, but it was a great day for us. Because God, through the death of His Son Jesus, provided a way that we could have eternal relationship with God. I would encourage you this week to... I would watch The Passion of the Christ... Mel Gibson's movie. It's the best movie I have ever seen that depicts literally what Jesus has gone through. I've been raised in the rural South. I have heard Jesus died for me probably somewhere between 10 and 20 and 30,000 times. And sometimes the words just kind of fall shallow. And uh, it'll really impact your heart about what a great price he He paid for us. But how many know He didn't stop at the grave? How many know he died Friday when you're having this afternoon Friday long about 12 o'clock and he's on the cross and through early afternoon and, and before the sun went down, they took him out of the cross, they put him in a, in a grave and he was in that grave, his body was, his spirit was somehow experiencing judgment for sin. But how many know Sunday morning was right around the corner? And Jesus finally said, look, I've had about enough of this. Just give me those keys, the keys of hell and death, and I'm going back and we're going to change this thing. And ever since then, the world has not been the same place. Now, my text for this morning, John chapter 13, verse 31, it's Thursday evening, Jesus is in the upper room after the Passover with his disciples. And Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. That's kind of abstract. What does that mean? God will be glorified. That word glorified, it means that 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 God will will be praised. He'll be exalted. That people will extol the greatness of God. And that's what you've been doing here for the last thirty, forty minutes or so. We've been worshiping God and His greatness because what Christ did on that cross was open the door of salvation to all mankind. But the scripture also said of Jesus, the time for the Son of Man to enter into His glory. Now, that's a picture of the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. How many know when he rose from the dead, he hung out on earth for a few days, and then he literally went back to heaven. He was caught up in the air. Well, how many know you don't get to the glory of the resurrection until you go through the pain of the cross? Now, Jesus had to experience the most violent death from people who hated him for no reason. And that was the cross before the glory. But it's the next verse that I want you to get your attention, verse 34 and 5. Same conversation with the disciples. My glory's coming. He's seeing the cross. He's seeing Easter morning. But then he said this, I'm giving you a new commandment, verse 34. What's it say? Now think about this. Love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So here he is, mind you now, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says he sweat great drops of blood. Literally, his sweat, somehow blood was pouring out of the pores of his body in some respect. I mean, it was the most horrible time and Jesus did this because he loved people. John 3:16 for God so Love the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. So love drove him to go through that pain. But what I want you to see, the violence of the world, the hatred of the world, the prejudice of the Jewish leaders, their jealousy against Jesus Christ, his response was, hey, guys, I want you to love people the way I've loved people. Because the way that you treat other people is going to be the testimony of a watch, to a watching world. Now, so as we're here in this context, this is this week, how many know we see in America around us today untold racism? Come on, prejudice, violence, and hatred. If I would have told you several days ago or, 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 yeah, several weeks ago, if I would have talked to you about a man named Trayvon Martin, you wouldn't have a clue who he was. If I would have mentioned the word George Zimmerman, the man, you'd have no clue. Now all of America knows. A young black teenager, this picture I understand when he was in his early teens, 13 or 14. He was killed when he was 17. The picture on the right is a man, and and it's interesting how the media brought this out, have a white parent and a Hispanic parent. And the stories are different. Trayvon's parents say this man was motivated by racial hatred and he murdered my son. George's parents say it was self-defense. All of us are waiting now for facts. We hope that we can trust what comes out. There's a call for justice. And how many know when anyone suffers a violent death, how many know that's what justice is supposed to be for? Well, this is what's going on in America today. This is what we're talking about. You don't have to look very far to hear television, radio, everywhere else, conversations in restaurants. People are talking about racism. They're talking about hatred, violence, racial profiling talking about prejudice, justice, self-defense. And interesting, politicians are talking about gun control. Political posturing, agendas, the media bias. I know this, what I'm about to say, but I have to shake myself periodically because what I see in the news, what I hear from people, it always comes across with a bias. There's always an agenda behind what you hear and what you see. Even these pictures. Now, I saw what were supposed to be pictures of, of, uh, of, uh, of Zimmerman. Now, here, this picture, early in the week, he looks like, you know, he's standing before the judge. But they've also got happy shots of him out on the Internet. The happy shot conveys a different thought. Uh, the last one I saw of him was this picture, and it had a, a, a rifle scope uh, superimposed across his picture. There was a Twitter feed called Kill Zimmerman. I've seen pictures of Trayvon and his older when he was seventeen. Looks very, very different. But there's an agenda that's out there. And let me go ahead and say up front, I have an agenda too. As your pastor, here's my agenda. I want to see as many people get to heaven as we can. I want to see you have the best life that you can possibly have. And I want to see you stand before God one day and God look at you and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So. That's my agenda today. And let me go ahead and say up front, I'm going to talk a lot about this this morning, but my intent is not to give you facts you don't know. My intent is not to to try to tell you who's right and who's wrong. We don't know the facts. Here's what my intent is to do today, is to teach you as a Christian how the Bible calls us to live in a world filled with hatred and violence. I got one amen on that. I'm going to keep going. The new Black Panther Party this week, offered a $10,000 bounty for his citizen's arrest. A congressman this week broke house rules by wearing a hoodie to show his support. He's from Chicago. And then news stories followed up about multiple deaths in his city where people were holding people up, donning hoodies and murdering people. I mean, it's, it, it's all around us. I also heard this week and read that a former NAACP leader from from the South and also the niece of Martin Luther King condemned the involvement of Reverends Jackson and Sharpton, saying they were stirring racial hostility. I read this week and I saw, I saw some of Trayvon's Twitter feeds. I saw one that was current, one that had been deleted. Somehow they would pulled it up. It was filled with, with violence and profanity and sex. I heard a president this week, uh, President Obama, he said, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon. Several days after that, I began to read stories about parents of white kids whose kids were murdered. One case in particular, several days after it, they were, it was a case that had gone to trial and a black man was convicted of murder. And they asked President Obama, do you care about our child? Wednesday, here in Texarkana, we had some 800 people marching for justice. I mean, no, this is not something that's happening in a court. This killing happened about a month ago, but it came into the focus of the American people about a week ago. Have I got you on the edge of your chair? You can't even talk right now. Have I got you on the edge of your chair? Okay, well, good. Well, let's talk about this morning. Let's talk about how Christians... Come on, here's the question I'm going to ask you. They'll put it on the screen. How should Christians act in a world that's filled with injustice, hatred, and violence? How should we treat Christians in particular who are different from us? I'm not talking just about racism. That's a part of it. I'm talking about people who may have more or have less that drive this car and you drive that car that live on this side of the tracks and you live on that side of the tracks. Come on. That's educated. That's not educated. How many of these issues are all around us in our culture? So what do we do? Is it just possible that when Jesus talked to his disciples, he gave us the answer? When Jesus is facing violence and hatred on the cross in route to glory jesus said i want you to do something for me i want you to show people how to love one another as believers as christian people and when you love one another love people who are different from you come on tattoos no tattoos young old ponytail no ponytail come on dressing hip dressing old as you love people who are different from you the world will say huh? you're a disciple of Jesus Christ don't steal my thunder now let me show you how this looks I've got a little video it's gonna make you laugh everyone in this room including the preacher this morning has some prejudices and biases go ahead and nod your head you know you do you see someone and you put them in a box I want to show you something I think will put a smile on your face, but it'll show you something better than a race ride. Take a peek. Grandma gets down, huh? (laughs) Now, what went through your head when you saw that? Yeah, I thought it was his music, too. We put people in boxes. Now, listen, stereotypes are real. I mean, it's real. I mean, you, you know, you look at somebody and you kind of size them up. That's the way life works. I mean, we all do that. I mean, because you know what? There's crazies out in the world, too. Come on. And what I'm going to say this morning does not negate the need for justice. When I'm going to talk to you about loving people, it doesn't negate the need for justice. I mean, that stems from God. It doesn't, it doesn't negate the responsibility in the, that you have to defend yourself, come on, or defend people you love. But what Jesus is going to tell us is the thrust of our life shouldn't be the box that society puts us in, but it should be our declaration to love people in the name of Christ, come on, so we can reach as many people as we can for the kingdom of God. To somehow let people know that love is real and that God is more powerful than the world we live in. Let's jump in the Bible together. At John chapter 4, prejudice and discrimination are not words that were made up by the civil rights movement. Prejudice and discrimination is as old as the Bible. John 4 verse 6 we find Jesus tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. And the woman, verse 9, was surprised, and I want you to say this with me, because Jews refuse, come on, say it with me, to have anything to do with Samaritans. Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. Whites refuse to have anything to do with blacks. Hispanics refuse to have anything to do with blacks. Blacks refuse to have anything to do with Orientals. Young people refuse to have anything to do with old people. People of means have refused to do anything with people who don't. Jesus, right in the middle of this. Now, this started 500 years before uh, this woman was born. 500 years prior to this. It's what's called the period of the exile when the Jews, remember, the northern kingdom, they were, they were sent into exile because of their sin. And what happens when a foreign power would take over a country, they would take all their citizens out, but they'd leave a few of the poorest people to tend the land, and they would import people from other parts of the empire so that they could take care of things. They'd repopulate it with the DNA of their culture. And lo and behold, what gave birth to was the Samaritans, so here you've got a group of people that had lost the racial purity of the Jewish race, but yet they had intermarried with the pagan people that were there, so they had, you know, they still had Jewish history and the Jewish view towards God, but they didn't have the racial purity. They had nothing to do with each other. But it gets worse. She said to Jesus, Well, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, in America, that wouldn't be a big deal today. I am grateful that women have equal rights with men. Come on. That you can do what you want to do with your life, that you have been uh, hopefully placed in a place of equality as a woman for your job pursuits, for your pay, all those things. But in their culture, they did not have those rights. In their culture, uh, it it was under the Jewish culture, the Roman political system, and the Greek life. Unless you were born into the upper crust, you had no rights, dear. So men, rabbis, wouldn't even talk to women. And here you've got Jesus going across that barrier. You can identify with this today. Uh, you take the women that live in, in, in places, the uh, Muslim world, where they're under Sharia law, and they wear this long outfit and this burqa, and they, and, and, and they just, all you can see is their eyes. How would you like to live there? They can't drive a car. They're not allowed to do that in their culture. So here Jesus sees not only the stereotype of ethnic issues, but he sees the stereotype of gender. We go further, James chapter 2, verse 3. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, stand over there or sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this... Say it with me. Show that your judgments are guided by evil motives. And if you favor some people over others, you are committing... So now we've added the whole dynamic of the social things that separate us. And let me say this. More than likely, you're sitting by somebody that's like you. Unless there wasn't any seats here. That's just what we do. And you know what? It's not wrong to hang out with people like you. Come on, that's life. I mean, if I was going to pick the people I'd hang out with, here's what I would say. How many turkey hunters in the room? Let me see your hand. Come on, go ahead, raise your hand right now. Any turkey hunters? Okay, there's one. Do you have a place I can go, maybe? Maybe. Okay, all right, you can bring your boyfriend to Anybody else? How about, okay, turkey hunter? How about a duck hunter? Okay, you're the people that I'd hang out with because that's what i like to... And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is society tries to put us in boxes, now listen, that make us think that we're better than somebody else because of the box that we're in. Now, I want you to follow with me this morning. We're going to unfold this in the Scripture, but let me kind of paint a picture for you of what what, what happens because the world tries to teach us that we're better than somebody because of you fill in the blank. The world tries to teach us that we're better than somebody because of our race. It tries to teach us that we're better than someone because of, let's say, our education. Now listen, if you have a PhD, you should be honored and you should be making way more money than somebody that doesn't. That's just life. You're able to do things. I want an educated brain surgeon. And I think that, oh boy, listen, needs to be making more money than, you know, than I do if I'm driving a truck. Oh, you just touch my box. Because the world says, "Listen, he's better than us." That's not true. That's pride. Let me ask you this. Is the water is the quarterback better than the water boy? But yet around school, come on, the girls aren't chasing the water boy. Now, how about as a Christian? Who's the Christian going to give greater honor to? What's the Scripture say? The weaker brother? How about the person that's excluded? How about the person that never makes the ball team? The person that never gets invited to the parties, and you have a party. How about the person that can't afford to wear the new clothes? Are you going to reach out to them and love them? Or are you going to treat them like everybody else is treating them? That's what we're talking about today, because it's discrimination. Come on, it may not be someone that's heralded you from the the news media, but that's what it is, is we're treating people differently. Let me tell you about my boxes. Now, if you want to put me in a box, I'm going to give you a few. I happen to drive a Toyota truck. Now, for you that would never drive anything other than an American-made truck, only real Americans drive, come on, American trucks... You're in your Ford, and I'm in my Toyota. My Toyota can outpull your Ford. No, it can't. We're going to have a pull-off. And before you know it, we're ready to kill each other over a stupid truck. Maybe you're driving an eco-vehicle, and you look at me as a sinful gas guzzler who's destroying the planet. You know, truck box, eco-box. I'm good, you're bad. Okay. I'm a hunter and a gun owner. You're an animal rights activist. And wonder, how, how could a man of God kill Bambi? I'm not a deer hunter. I don't shoot innocent deer. And I only kill the bad ducks and the bad turkeys that may be carrying <laughs> bird flu. A gun owner. I believe in the Second Amendment. Well, we wouldn't have as much crime if we didn't have as many guns. All oh, the criminals have guns. Look at one nation in the world that has gun control. Come on, they get guns. Your box and my box. In case you hadn't figured out, I speak English. I wasn't smart enough to learn another language. This is one I got. But I also, I also believe in my box, we should be like America used to be. That if you're going to be an American, you should learn the language. Now, you can still speak your native language. My grandparents came from, I'll do this box. My grandparents came from the Baltic state of Latvia in World War II. Now, this is my you owe me box right here. This is my victim box. Because my parents had property in Latvia. My grandparents, hundreds of acres of land, and Hitler and company ran them away from their home, and they came as paupers on the shores of New Orleans and got off on a boat and started working for a turkey farmer. So somebody owes me something. But they still spoke Latvian to each other. And when they had their parties, they still spoke Latvian. But they were very proud. Come on, when they would see the Statue of Liberty... But for some reason today, listen, politicians want to make sure that we stay in different boxes so we can be at war with each other, so we can keep them in power. Come on. Logic sometimes. Here it is, the bigot box. Put that on the screen. Can you see it? White man, over 50. Not much, but white man. That clearly makes me... An evil person. The only thing I'm good for is to pay taxes. Well, it's true. You didn't listen to the wrong radio station. You couple my white box with my Mississippi. I'm from Mississippi. Now, what does that mean? That means, listen. Now, you remember when I came here 20-some years ago? You're sitting on the front row telling me you love me. And she heard that the preacher's from Mississippi. I ain't going to that church. Why not? Because you thought I was in the Mississippi box and had a little white pointy hat in my closet. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. All right. 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 I got a box. She's one of my best friends now. I got another box here. A charismatic box. I, 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 because I'm in this box, preachers that are in this box over here, they don't have anything to do with me. I mean, I just only believe in the same Jesus and the same Bible and the same righteousness and heaven and hell and sin and all those things that you do. Yeah, but that Holy Spirit stuff. Well, I'm sorry if people you know, got crazy with speaking in tongues, but listen, I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit was important enough in Acts 1-8 to be given so we could reach the world for Christ that we still need it today. And I also, ESV on their English Standard Version, that's the Bible I'm reading today. I'll probably change in a couple years. But if you're the King James Bible, because that's the one Paul the Apostle used. Dress. I do not wear dresses, so I am not in that box. Let me illustrate this one to you. Pastor Travis, come up on the... See here? Come on up, Zach. Now it's on touch, sorry. Well, I'll apologize. <laughs> He's looking good. He's got blue shoestrings. Put him up where everybody can see him. <laughs> He's got cool shoes. I'm an old man with eight width feet, and I can't find cool shoes, okay? So this is what I'm stuck with. I just feel funny when my shirt tail is out. These in style. You feel funny when it's in. Well, let me tell you what. I am a trendsetter in fashion. Because one day, when some movie star puts his shirt tail in, everybody's going to go, oh, wow. And I already have mine in, so I'm, I'm just ahead of the game here. But you look at people, you look at the way they're dressed, come on. How much bling they have? Do they have a tattoo or not? And you put them in a box. You are looking good, Zach. I will give that to you. You get the picture. I'm married, same woman, 35 years. I'm not living with her. I'm married to her. Well, it's 29 years. I'm a conservative simply means I believe the Bible is inerrant word of God. Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe in, that you need to live within your means financially, whether you're the government or an individual. Come on. I believe, in, I believe that less government is better, limited government. I believe in the rights of the individual. And uh, leave me alone. Let me run my life. I just, I mean, I, I, I happen to think that the local school board can do a better job of educating my children than some bureaucrat in Washington trying to program me on the political values of the day. Okay, but let's say you're a liberal in the liberal box. And we're divided. Oh, let's make it a Democrat and a Republican box. How about that one? You'd leave the church right now if I said something. Well, I'll show you something. Is it possible that we all live in boxes and the world has put us there? Now, I want you to give me a few more minutes in this morning's message. Will you do that? I need about 10 minutes, maybe 12. Who give me 5, 10, 15? That's all I need. I don't want I don't any more than that. Think about this. When you go to whatever, buy a house, go to college, what do they have you do? They give you a big piece of paper and start saying, check, in the, bo- check the boxes who you are. And, and, and our society puts us in boxes and then pits us against each other. You know, one of the most, I think, damaging things in America today when you hear politicians say the bad people in America today are rich people. Let me tell you why. It's almost like this guy that's already paying, what, 70% of the income tax, this top, this top few bad people because half of America don't pay any federal income tax anymore. That's just kind of the way it works. But these people are bad, and if they just paid more, I'd have more. You know what that awakens in me? Envy and jealousy, and I'm breaking the Ten Commandments. Listen, your government cannot make everybody wealthy. They can make us all poor, but they cannot make us all wealthy. If they would create an environment where all people could succeed and prosper, I think it would be a little bit better. But what's happening, we're not even aware of it, and we're being put in boxes by other people that have an agenda. Let me tell you my box. I'm a Christian before I'm a white man. How about you? I'm a Christian before I'm a truck driver. Come on, I'm a Christian before I'm a conservative. And that's the world we live in today. And this is kind of what I'm challenging you to do because you still may have all those attributes, but that's not what's driving your life here. you just got to be sure in life that you don't let the world push you out of your God box because you're settling for one of those boxes. Because what they want to do is they want to make you different from somebody else and act like you're better than somebody else. And can I tell you, it's just not true. Find my white box for me there. Let me give you a few scriptures on this, lest you think this is just the bantering of some uh, white uh, person or uh, whatever. Acts 17, 26. I'm going to say this to you. You're, we're all related. You may want to leave right now because I'm about to show you how you're related to every person in this room. If you believe your Bible. Acts 17, 26. God began by making one person Adam. And from him came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. From Adam, everybody else is related. You're not related to monkeys, come on. You're not related to pond scum and amoebas and, and, and life forms that they've never been able to find and show you about these stages of evolution. Come on. You're related to people. Your cousin sitting behind you. Now just go ahead and just look at them and just kind of, you know, I don't know what expression, but it's your cousin's right behind you. You might even ask them what time they normally have Thanksgiving dinner, but, but your cousin is sitting around you. We're we're all related. Heaven will be filled with people different from you. Here's another one. Now, that's physical relation. Romans 12, 5, it's talking about a spiritual relationship through Christ. Notice Romans 12, 5. In Christ, we who are many form one. Put it on the screen. One body. That's your Bible. Yes, it is. That Bible has been here, come on, for generations in America. Amen. And having been in churches, Bible-believing churches... Now, I'm from a small southern town. One of my friends, true story here, told me that in his church, I won't call the name of it, but in his church, they had an evacuation plan that if a black person came into the church, the white people would get out the back door. The little guys with the pointy hats, they were all in church on Sunday. Now, explain this to me, please. How could you burn down a church on Saturday and then go to church on Sunday? But if you just get caught up in the box, he's in the white box and she's in the black box. That's the world we're raised in. But listen, I was raised around the N-word but I don't say the n-word. And I didn't raise my children to say the n-word. Because we're trying to live in the Christian box. The cross is the great equalizer. Galatians 3.26. Listen to the language. You were all... Everybody say all. All baptized into Christ. You sing that little song, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And then when you grow older, you hate somebody, come on, because they're different. The government may impose desegregation. You may be under affirmative action. The college you go to may have a quota system, but you can never make people love one another. That's the way we're different. And that's where Jesus' words, speaking into the hatred and violence of our day, can be the loudest example to the world that we could ever offer it. Listen, you were all clothed with Christ. This means you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you, if you're a believer, you're a child of God. So why would I look down at somebody else? Why not make the assumption, listen, young people, when I go into the the lunchroom or on the playground and somebody is by themselves because nobody will play with them because their clothes are not like yours or because whatever is different, why don't you be their friend? I'll tell you why. Because your friends will laugh at you and you're going to have to choose if you're going to be in the Christian box or one of these boxes. And maybe the box is the cool people and the uncool people. I'm saying Jesus' people are the cool people. In Christ, there's no difference. Stop just a minute. I was not raised this way. How about you? No, wait a minute. I lived in a good home. Don't get me wrong. But I never heard this spoken of through the Bible. There's no difference between Jew or Greek. This is the great racial divide. Jew or Greek, slave and free. This is the economic divide. This is the the divide of society. This is because you drive a car with a certain emblem on it or a suit with a certain emblem on it. You're better than somebody else. Male and female, you're all the same in Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm not telling you who to marry. I'm not telling you who to be best friends with and go on vacations with. You're big enough to figure out how to live your life. But I'm telling you, when Christians are in the loop there, they're your brother and sister in Christ. And the world that's filled with hatred and violence needs to see people that are loving one another. Come on. See, and it's pretty easy to say, hey, brother in church, but how about if you're in the grocery store? Come on. Or how about if you're in a restaurant? Do I go down a different aisle or do I go up to you? I'm telling you, man, there's pressure because of the box. You're getting quiet on me now. The words of Jesus, your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. I'm going to close with this and then we're going to have a word of prayer. Matthew 5. Now, for the last 20 minutes or so, I've been talking about Christians relating to one another. Now, how about people that are, that are, that are probably not Christians, the world? Matthew 5, 38, Jesus told us to love our enemies. The world is watching. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus said, I say to you, Love your enemies. I'd sure like to hear somebody that's in the national debate about what's going on talk like this. Come on. I'd like to see that, uh, that, that grandma and that guy in that black car rather than the racial rights. Come on. Come on. You know, people learn how to get their way with violence. Groups of people. Why do you think the Islamic religion is advancing so far around the world? If you don't agree with them, they cut your neck off. We want to get along. Pray for those who persecute you. In the same way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. So if I want to act as a child of God, I love people. Jesus said verse 46, if you only love those who love you, oh, what reward is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Verse 48, Jesus said, you therefore must be perfect. Wow, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word perfect talks about complete maturity. It's talking about a level of godliness and virtue, come on, that rises above the way we look, the label on our clothes, the box that we're in, come on. I'm loving you because God has ascribed value to you. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. Well, as far as Gump would say, that's all I have to say about that. I hope the Lord was speaking through me today, and I hope you hear. You can't. know. I mean, you can argue with the preacher, but you can't argue with the Bible, because when I argue with the Bible, come on, I'm arguing with God. Here's how I want to close today. I'd like to pray for America because there's a lot of racial tension in America today as we're waiting and watching. I'd like to pray for our nation today that we might have a fresh awakening. And here's how I'd like to do it. If you're here today, I want to invite you, if you're different than me, in whatever way, young, old, rich, poor, black, white, green, purple, whatever it is, but if in some way you've got some different boxes than I do, I'd like for us to kind of make a prophetic statement of unity today, I want you to just come stand on the stage with me, and together we're going to pray for America. You don't have to say a thing, but if you've got some differences from me, and you just want to come on the stage with me and say, let's pray for America, come on, that we would be living in this box, any different boxes you have, just come on up and join me. You have a lot of people up here if you like, but I'm different. Come on, Pastor Nick, just to begin to lead us in worship. I'm different. I have tattoos, I don't young, I'm old. I'm Hispanic, I'm Oriental. I'm a man, I'm a woman. From Mississippi, I'm from California. I've lived at the back of the line, I've lived at the front of the line. I have plenty, I don't have much. I'm educated, I'm not educated. I'm married, I'm living with somebody. Let's all stand to our feet today. We're all Christians as we stand today. Come on, let's lift our hands to heaven and worship the Lord this morning. We just want to come and stand as an act of unity as we pray. I have chosen the Christian box, and I exalt you. I give you praise today for your goodness, your kindness, for your mercy. Praise your Lord. I exalt you today. What Jesus said in John that we would glorify him. Yes, Lord. Oh, my Why don't you hold somebody's hand right now? It's just kind of an act of unity. Jesus told us, I think it's in John 17. It was a prayer that he prayed for his followers that they would be one even as he was one with his Father in heaven. So, Lord, this is how we're standing today. We're standing in a world filled with hatred and violence and agendas and all sorts of stuff. But we're standing today saying, Lord, we love you. And we want the God box. And we just want to just welcome your presence in a fresh way in America. Because we know, Lord, it's these sins that drove you to the cross. Racism, discrimination, hatred, violence, greed, lust for power, lying, arrogance, religious pride, deception. All these things were nailed to the cross. But it's still all around us today. Heavenly Father, I'd just simply like to ask you for, to forgive us. Forgive us as a nation. Forgive us as Christians. I want to ask you to forgive the pastors that have not been a voice for love. Forgive, Lord, those that have stirred strife. I want to confess to you before you today and ask for your forgiveness. Preachers stood in American pulpits before the Civil War and they justified slavery. Lord, I want to ask your forgiveness today. I want to ask your forgiveness as a white man. They tell me, not many decades ago, there was a black man that was hung in Spring Lake Park. You can find the picture. I've seen it. I want to ask your forgiveness, Lord. Christian people we want to ask you Holy Spirit when Americans have chosen their box rather than God as our identity please forgive us and Holy Spirit would you could we ask you to just come in a special way to our nation our nation that's filled now Lord with threats of violence people are murdered every day on the streets all over America we just happen to be looking at one Lord, would you just come and help us? Well, we want to pray today for our president. I just want to pray that he might have a, a visitation from God. I just want to pray that I can't... I, I'm confused, I'm troubled. I don't know what to believe about him. But I know you love him. And I know he needs the Holy Spirit to guide him in the decisions he makes for America. And I just want to pray that you would meet with him. Sneak up on him, Lord, if you have to. Lord, meet him in church. Find, let him find a Bible in the hotel room or just appear to him in a dream or a vision. But, Lord, touch that man. Touch his wife and all his inner circle of people, Lord. And particularly those things that they're fostering that are just wrong. Convict them, God. Don't let them just be vying for votes. Lord, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would touch that man. Lord, he can be a great uniter in America. We just pray for him today. We, we pray for all of us. I pray for every preacher in America today. We just want to welcome your presence. Pray for our city. Pray, Lord, that we wouldn't have racial turmoil and, 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 and race riots on the streets of Texarkana. I pray, Lord, that you would stop all racially motivated violence and we wouldn't have to have somebody from Justice Department tell us it's a hate crime. I, I just pray that Texarkana would walk in love because of Jesus. Most of us go to church and most of us believe in God. Lord and for our little church here Lord would you help us to truly love one another to be a, a light in a dark world a, a light in a dark place would you forgive us when we've done wrong would you forgive us when we've not loved one another we just welcome your presence America needs a great awakening come on America needs it America needs it let's be the example of John thirteen thirty five. by this the world will know you're my disciples by the love you have one towards another. In Jesus' name. I want to have one more prayer here before we dismiss. I wonder if you're here today and, 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 and in your life you have had, you know, you have borne the brunt of prejudice, of racism. You've been at the back of the line and nobody invited you to the front. You, you know, you were the water boy and everybody laughed at you. You were the person that never had anybody come to your birthday party because whatever you didn't have. I mean, you know, it hurts, whatever it is. You don't have to be a certain skin color. How many know when you have other people treat you like something's wrong with you and they're better than you are, it it it, 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 it affects who you are. But how many can believe God is bigger than that? And how many believe that that God could, could help us release that stuff? The best thing, now listen to this, the best thing, here's what society tries to do. It tries to tell you you're a victim. And because you're a victim, you're owed something from somebody. Can I tell you, my friend, that's a bunch of hooey. Can I say we in church? hope so. I want somebody to tell me this. Listen, what they did to you ten years ago, what somebody did to your forefathers, you need to forgive that person and you need to turn them over to God. Because if you don't, bitterness will grow in your heart. So I know two things. I've got to willingly release bitterness, but I also know that wounds are real. So can we just pray right now? If you're here, if you say, Pastor, i got some of that on me, we'd like to just pray for you. You don't have to say a thing. We'd like to pray for you. I'd like to have somebody just love on you a minute. Would you just lift your hand and say, I felt that in my life. Come on, lift your hand. I want you to just keep it lifted just a minute. Come on all over the building. I felt it. I've felt it, it's been around me and I want people to just look around and hands that are being lifted now, why don't you just put your hand on their shoulder, come on there's dozens of people here, I've felt it as a woman, I've felt it as a man, I've felt it because of my skin color, I've felt it, people have put me in boxes, come on put your hand on Vicki right now, and other people that are here today say I want you to just pray for me right now that God would heal me from this junk that's in my heart, come on just lift anybody else this morning. All right, let's, let's pray for our friends right now. Here's a lady right here in the back there. I can't see who it is, but I want several people. Just put your hand on her shoulder. She's in a pink, pink coat there. Anybody else? We're praying for healing right now. Come on, just join me. Just join me, just a moment. Father, we ask you today for our friends that are here, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We ask you, Lord, that healing virtue would flow to them. We just want to pray that the great physician would come with his oil and wine and heal the hurts that life has brought us. We want to ask today, Lord, with them, we want to stand and say that we forgive those who hurt us. Come on, just begin to pray that right now. Say, I forgive those that have hurt me. I forgive those that have taken advantage of me. I forgive those that have put me in a box and have tried to shape my thinking about myself. It's affected me. We just want to release them right now. and, And we just want to pray God's blessing on their life. And this is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Thank God. Listen, I love you. It was good this morning. Our prayer team is going to stay right here in the altar. If you need prayer for anything, if you want to talk to somebody, they'll be here for you. And uh, you can bring somebody next week and we'll tell them about Jesus. And there's a guest reception right across the hall. I'd like to shake your hand and meet you. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.